Good morning friends and welcome to our Sunday morning podcast. My name is John Thorpe, I'm the minister here at Shell Harbour City Anglican and a particular welcome if you're joining us for the first time. Yesterday we remembered the terrible price of war and the sacrifice that so many Australians have made for the sake of our freedom. And so we remember the very best and the very worst of humanity. And certainly as Christians it reminds us that, that life is broken and that we do genuinely need a saviour and we're so thankful for the hope that we have in Christ and we look forward to an eternal future where there'll be no more conflict and no more pain and no more crime. Uh, this week in our podcast we're starting a new series in 1 Peter and we're looking at this theme of being aliens in exiles. What does it mean to live as foreigners in the world? And so I thought we'd begin by playing a little bit of a game. And so in a moment I'm going to put up some pictures and you need to guess the country where the picture is located. And so this is a speed game, so in your family, if you guess it first, you get the points. And kids, if you win in your house, then your parents will buy you a pony. So let's see how we go. Facebook, let me know how you went in the comments section below, and I'll be particularly chuffed if one of the kids puts up a horse emoji. In a moment, we'll have some music from a local Sydney Christian band, and it's been wonderful that they're allowing us to use their music in our podcast. Uh, it's quite an enthusiastic song, so uh, if you like your music a little quieter, you might want to dial back the volume, or you might just want to turn it up and sing along with your neighbours. We'll also have a time of prayer. And there'll be a little bit of a sharing time as we hear how some of our people are living with the joys and challenges at this very difficult time. So sit back and enjoy. Praise your voice now, no love 
love is a strong and mighty fortress Raise your voice now, no love is greater Who can stand against this if our God is for us? Sing with joy now, our God is for us The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress Raise your voice now, no love is greater Good morning, my name is Pamela Rouse and today I'm going to lead you in prayer. We will praise God, confess our sins to him, thank him and ask him for help. Please join me at the end with the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray to our steadfast God. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. As we currently have more time than usual to enjoy your creation, I pray that we will recognise you as creator. I pray that the clear blue skies will remind us of your vast love for us. The birds and butterflies will remind us of your attention to detail and the mountains and the sea will remind us of your awesome power. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we humbly admit that we need your help. We have sinned against you in thought, word and deed, and in what we have failed to do. You alone can save us. Have mercy on us. Wipe out our sins and teach us to forgive others. Strengthen us to love and serve you and live our lives to your glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we are thankful that you fulfil your promises and are true to your word. We have confessed our sins you have forgiven us because Christ died for us. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made us creative like you. We can adapt to changes and work out different ways to do things, to meet and to care. Thank you for giving us technology to meet together, apart. Thank you that the podcast is being seen by so many. We pray that all who see it might be amazed at what you have done for us and may turn their lives around to follow you. Thank you that we have more time together as families. We pray that we will make good use of that time to have fun, enjoy your creation, be encouraging and grow in our knowledge of you. Help us with impatience and frustration and being out of sorts due to the changes. We pray for those who are missing family for those who can't see loved ones, who are sick, or visit children or grandchildren. We pray for those who are alone. Give them all your peace and bless them this week with the knowledge that they are not alone as you are with them. We pray too for the Forest family as they are living through times of isolation as well. We pray for access to food, for uncertainty of future education for Aidan, for doing school online, and for their church as they look to you to ease their fear. We pray for the mental health of our church family as we live through this pandemic. May we run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. May we consider him who endured so much so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Enable us to care for each other in prayer. 
and our prayer for Paul, Min, Ruby, Toby and Henry Sanders, Phil, Beck, Ella and Charlie Scarrett, Caleb Scarrett and Ash and Warren Shea, is that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that they may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. Amen. And now, please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Morning. My name is Tony Michelle. I'm from Michelle Harbour City Anglican Church and I go to the 1045 service. I'm going to read today's readings. The first one is coming from John chapter 21. And we're starting at verse 12, going to verse 19, if you'd like to follow along. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, yes Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him this third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. Good morning, I'm Yvonne Curtis and I'm part of the 1045 service. I really love being together with my church family and I'm looking forward to doing that again sometime this year. So during this pandemic I've been spending my time gardening, doing cryptic crosswords which I love and going for walks. One of the challenges for me is not being able to get together with my church family or go out with my best friend for coffee. So during this pandemic, I'm staying encouraged in my faith by listening to the podcast from our church every Sunday morning. I also do a little devotional uh, from this wee book um, called Every Day with Jesus. And at the moment, I'm doing John chapter 17. It's Jesus' prayer. And how I've been encouraging others is that after I listen to the podcast on Sunday morning, I then uh, share that podcast with others in the retirement village here. And sometimes I will sit with them 
and listen with them or they might get together with another of their friends and uh, listen to it together. Good morning, my, my name is uh, Frank Moston and this is my wife Margie. Hi. And um, we've been asked to talk about the joys and challenges of uh, life with COVID-19. I lived through the uh, Second World War. Uh, I was only a child at the time, but I can remember that there was a strong sense of community during those times. And I think perhaps, I hope that people are discovering once again uh, the wonder of community. And even though in the midst of all this, Margie's missing her grandchildren yeah. and, and it's so sad to have to do that. But you know, up the end of our, up at the end of our um, walkway, just which goes past, it's like a cycleway, I suppose. And uh, there's a, the kids have written there a big, a beautiful sign in pink uh, chalk, stay safe. And so, you know, I'd like to just say something about that in a short while. But what about uh, staying encouraged? How do we stay encouraged? Well, we're certainly staying encouraged with our podcasts, and it's great to be able to have God's Word. Uh, and even though we can't uh, meet together at church, uh, to have God's Word casting light on the present situations that we're going through. And so we certainly uh, are encouraged by that. But what about encouraging others? Well, encouraging others, the the text that I mentioned earlier that the kids had written on the path says, uh, stay safe. But we're all wondering, you know, what's going to happen next? But, you know, whatever happens, uh, we're confident that God God is going to lead us through it all and, and we do have the confidence to be able to say that we can stay safe in Christ Jesus, in the everlasting arms. Bye for now. Our second reading comes from the book of 1 Peter. It's 1 Peter, the first three verses. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Today we're only looking at a handful of words from the Apostle Peter, but there's a lot in them. And so let's pray that God might guide our time together. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've inspired Peter to write this letter so that we might know you better. We pray as we reflect on this passage now that your spirit might help us to see the things that we need to see. Amen. If you've ever travelled overseas, you'll know that it's easier to fit in in some cultures compared to others. So, for example, if I went across to England, I think I'd fit in pretty well. You know, I look like a you know, majority of the population. I speak the language, I know the culture. They like faulty towers, I like faulty towers. You know, I reckon I would do okay. But if I went across to, say, France, I think things would be a little more difficult. You know, I can fit in in terms of my appearance. But clearly, as soon as I need to speak and order a croissant or something like that, it's going to be obvious that I'm really not French. And then there are other cultures where we don't fit in, you know, right from the moment we arrive. You know, a couple of years ago, our family uh, were in Tanzania, in a place called Masoma, visiting uh, some missionaries there and doing some training. And as we walked through the, the marketplace, it was completely obvious 
that we are foreigners in a foreign place. But what about for us now as Christians as we live in our culture? You know, how do we see ourselves? You know, do we see ourselves as just like everyone else with the same hopes and aspirations? Or perhaps someone could only tell that we're a Christian if they ask you know, very specific questions about what we believe. Or perhaps you see yourself as standing out as very different. And if so, how do you feel about that? Do you feel you know, confident and courageous or do you feel fearful and vulnerable? As Peter writes this letter, he's writing to a group of Christians who are living like they are foreigners in the world. And he wants to say to them, you know, whatever, whatever happens, whatever your circumstances, whatever trials come, you can be confident about who you are in Christ and the hope that you have. And so today as we look at this letter, let's uh, have a look at these opening words. So it's written by the Apostle Peter. And the title Apostle is important because it speaks to his authority. So Peter was with Jesus for his entire ministry. He was there at the crucifixion. He was there at the resurrection. Uh, he was there at the ascension. And now he's been commissioned by Jesus to go and tell other people about the good news and the salvation that we can have. And he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the book of Acts puts it like this. It says, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we read more about Peter in the Gospel accounts than any of the other apostles. So we know he was a leader amongst his peers. We know he was insightful. He was the first one to recognise that Jesus was the promised Messiah. But he also had a habit of saying just the wrong thing at just the wrong time. So he recognises Jesus is the Messiah and then he tries to rebuke Jesus when he teaches them that he must suffer and die. And so in turn, Jesus then turns around and rebukes Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. You know, which is a pretty devastating rebuke. But we also know that he was committed to Jesus. And so at the Last Supper, you know, Peter says to him, even if I had to die with you, I will never disown you. And yet a few hours later, Peter will disown Jesus three times. But we also know that Peter is restored. You know, sitting around a fire on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And the Gospel of John recalls these words. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. And that's exactly what he's doing in this letter. So continuing in verse 1. To God's elect... Exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. So the region he's talking about is what we know as modern northern Turkey and it was part of the Roman Empire. But we don't really know how Christians came to be living in that area. Certainly years earlier, people from that region were there in Jerusalem when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost. And perhaps they'd heard it from Paul. Uh, on his missionary journeys as he travelled further south and then they took that message home with them. His audience is predominantly Gentile, which means they're not Jewish. But the language of the book has lots of, sort of Jewish references and allusions and lots of connections to God's promises to Israel. And I think Peter does that because he wants their story to connect with God's bigger story. And in fact, their experience now is everything that was God was promising in the Old Testament. So they're not Jewish, 
but they're also not poor cousins. So they're not like sort of the dog under the table licking up the scraps or the hired help who gets the leftovers in the kitchen. They have a rightful place at the table. But it's not because of anything they have done or because they are good or righteous or because of their heritage. It's simply because God is gracious and God chooses to save people for himself. And so in our passage, they are God's elect. And then continuing in verse 2, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, God's foreknowledge isn't simply sort of you know, jumping to the back of the book and reading the last page and knowing the ending. Uh, God, right from the beginning, chooses who he is going to save. And certainly we read Jesus saying something very similar in the book of John. So this is what he says there. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. We are so thankful for God's mercy that he would choose to save anyone. And certainly, if you're a Christian, then that's incredibly humbling because we know it's so completely undeserved. But it also raises for us some awkward questions. If God chooses, then why does God hold us responsible for our actions or our inactions? And is it really fair that God would choose to save some but not save others? And unfortunately, the Bible doesn't give us a convenient answer to those questions. But we can certainly say something. Firstly, I think when we ask those types of questions, we need to be careful not to come to God as his accuser, demanding that he justify himself. I think if we do that, then we've lost a sense of perspective about who we are and who God is. Uh, Paul puts it like this in his letter to the Romans. But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? So we need to approach God with a sense of humility. Secondly, some Christians try to get around this awkwardness of God choosing by emphasising that God is still sovereign, he's all-powerful, but he chooses to restrain his power so that we can have free will. And that's kind of convenient because it puts the responsibility on us. But it means that God is no longer in control. So he can certainly cheer for us uh, from the sideline. He can you know, push and nudge us in the right direction. But we're in control of our own destiny. And certainly that isn't the picture that we get in the Bible. Uh, God might choose to restrain his power in any given situation. Uh, we have responsibility for our good choices and our bad choices. But ultimately, God will always fulfill his plans according to his will. And so one example of that was Joseph when he talks to his brothers in Egypt. And this is what he says to them. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Thirdly, the Bible has no problem in affirming God's sovereignty and our responsibility as two sides of the same reality. So from our perspective, we have a responsibility to recognise that Jesus is Lord and to repent and to turn back and to follow him. But we also recognise that God is the one behind helping us to see that that is true. And so Charles Spurgeon, a very famous preacher in London in the 1800s, said this about how he came to know Christ. 
One night when I was sitting in the house of God, I was not thinking much about the preacher's sermon, for I did not believe it. The thought struck me. How did you come to be a Christian? I sought the Lord. But how did you come to seek the Lord? The truth flashed across my mind in a moment. I should not have sought him unless there had been some previous influence in my mind to make me seek him. I prayed, thought I. But then I asked myself, how came I to pray? I was induced to pray by reading the scriptures. How came I to read the scriptures? I did read them, but what led me to do so? Then in a moment, I saw that God was at the bottom of it all. Lastly, we should be thankful and relieved that being saved isn't simply left to our own capacity to see the truth or, or to do the right thing. If that was true, then how would anyone ever be saved? Now, God doesn't choose people simply because we are good and lovable. You know, it's not like we choose a puppy where we go to the pet shop and we buy the most cute and lovable puppy there. You know, he chooses people who are sinful, people who are vulnerable. But he also chooses people who look like they've got it all. And he works through the people around them and the circumstances of life and he works through his word to help them to see a better reality. One where we have a certain hope and a secure future. One where we can rejoice even when we are living in times of hardship. And so we should be thankful that God elects and it's not simply left up to us to recognise that Jesus is the one who saves. And God the Father makes it all happen through his spirit. So continuing in verse 2. Chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkling with his blood. So we're thankful that God elects and that the spirit sanctifies, but it also means that we now live as aliens in the world. You know, as Peter writes to these people, they're not literal exiles. They haven't been displaced from their home. But they are living as foreigners. So their worldview, their values, their allegiance all stands out very awkwardly in the context of the culture around them. You know, it's a little bit like maybe you know, walking through that marketplace in Masoma. You know, we all want to fit in. We all want friends. Uh, we all want to be popular in our culture. But certainly as Christians, we've got to come to terms with the reality that we no longer fit in to the world around us. You know, once upon a time, our culture, our Western culture, was largely Christianised. And certainly, Christian values shaped our Australian culture. But things are shifting very quickly. And we've become more pluralistic in our culture and more diverse. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. The people are living with different ideas. And it's OK to try to convince one another of a different view. And it gives us an opportunity to share our faith with people from all over the world. And it's okay to have a different view. So we can come to a point of still liking someone, even though we might disagree with them quite profoundly. I remember one time I was uh, in a taxi, uh, uh, travelling somewhere, and the driver was a Muslim. And as he asked me you know, what I did for, for work, I told him I was a Christian. And uh, that got us into a conversation about you know, what faith meant to us. And so he was trying to convince me about why I was wrong to be a Christian and why I should be a Muslim. And I was sharing with him what it meant for me to be a follower of Jesus. And at the end of the conversation, I, we didn't convince each other, I don't think, but we shook hands and we left, you know, went on our way. And I think that's what tolerance should look like. It's not that we don't hold ideas firmly or passionately, but we try to convince people rather than coerce people. 
But I think our culture is now moving to a different place where there are right views and wrong views. But of course, there's a little bit of contention about what the right views are and the wrong views. And so that creates quite a polarised culture. And so people sort of digging their trenches and joining teams and sort of lobbing you know, grenades at anyone who they feel have got it wrong. I think this picture uh, of Ellen DeGeneres and George W. Bush sort of captures the mood of our culture at the moment. So in this picture, uh, they're sharing a moment and having a conversation at a football match. And when that photo came up on social media, people were outraged. You know, how could someone like you know, Ellen DeGeneres, a, a gay liberal talk show host, you know, be friendly to George W. Bush, you know, a Republican ex-president? And she had to defend herself for even you know, having a civil conversation with someone whose views were so different to her own. The response to that interaction has nothing to do with being Christian, but it does say something about the mood of our culture at the moment. And if we're completely honest, we do need to accept and recognise that as Christians, that we've contributed our own fair share of bad behaviour in lobbing grenades. And I think one of the challenges of this letter is how do we live as Christians, honouring Christ and loving the community around us, without endorsing and embracing values and a worldview that is incompatible with our obedience to Christ. And I think it starts with being confident about who we are in Christ and being confident that God is for us. And because of what God has done, Peter concludes his greeting with these words of encouragement. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. When we know God's grace, we know God's peace. We will still sin. We will still let people down. We will still feel vulnerable and tempted by the world. But in all of that, we know that our relationship with God is secure. We are forgiven. And so whatever life brings, whatever persecution comes, we should be confident about who we are in Christ. And with that comes peace. And so we should be able to say to one another those same words. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Amen. That brings us almost to the end of our time together this morning. It'd be great if you're watching this on Facebook to now leave a comment below as a simple way of uh, encouraging one another and sharing uh, what's impacted you in our time together this morning. And it'd be great to keep in contact with one another during the week. Uh, for many of our people, we meet in connect groups each week, uh, and that's an opportunity to encourage one another and to spend time in God's Word. So as we start a new term in a new series, it might be a good opportunity to consider joining a group. And if you're worried about being overcommitted, then perhaps just join for this period when we're stuck at home together and then see how you go. So if you're interested, uh, get in touch with me, drop me a message, and I'm sure we can find a group that's suitable for you. Finally, we're about to start a five-week course. It's called the Life Course. And it's just a basic Christianity, you know, what's this all about course. And we're going to be running it over Zoom. Pete Stacey will be leading it. And it'll be for five weeks, Tuesday evening, 7.30 to about 9 o'clock. And so if you've got questions, if you uh, want to spend some time in God's Word, then this might interest you. And again, get in touch with Pete if you want to find out more. Well, that's it from me. Let me finish with the words of the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Have a good week.